let's be honest. If you were to invent the game now, how many holes would it be? Wouldn't it be 18. No, you got to fit in now. Yeah. And if you're going to build a golf course now, you'd never build it 18 holes down one way, nine, and back the other. You'd, you'd build it in loops of threes or sixes. Welcome to The Spin, brought to you by the Confederation of Professional Golf, the one-stop golf podcast fueling your hunger for eye-opening conversations and industry insight, and offering backstage passes to the inner mechanics of the global game. Welcome to the latest Golf Business Insights episode of The Spin Podcast. Today's episode dates back recently to the end of 2020, where CPG Chief Executive Ian Randall was joined at the CPG's Virtual Annual Congress by Chief Executive of the European Tour, Keith Pelly, Chief Executive of the Ladies' European Tour, Alex Armas, and Executive Director of the International Golf Federation, Anthony Scanlon. What does the future hold for golf? What are some of its biggest challenges? And what are some of its biggest opportunities? These are key questions that we all, as professionals in golf, need to find the answers and solutions to. But in this panel session that you're about to engage with, the speakers present some interesting and innovative insights and solutions to each. So pour yourself a coffee, sit back, and enjoy. Hello again. Uh, welcome back. I mean, that was absolutely brilliant and um, and a great lead into this this next session. So, and we've got some uh, fantastic panelists here as well. Um, I'm going to just introduce them, but I don't think they need any, any introduction. Firstly, the chief executive of the European Tour, Keith Keith Pelly. Thanks for being with us. Oh, I know you've, you've had a bit of sun today. You're in a sunny climate. I got burnt. I got burned. <laughs> happens. That's what happens when you go from rainy, cold England to 27 and sunny, and then you make a mistake and you you do the uh, sunscreen really quickly and you miss the key spot. So um, <laughs> I'm in big trouble today uh, with our chief medical officer. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come to that in a while. Um, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Scanlon, Executive Director of the International Golf Federation, IGF. Uh, Anthony, I assume you're in Lausanne. I am, mate, and we've got snow here. So, um, okay. no, um, no sun, Keith. And, uh, and Alex, great timing. Uh, Chief Executive of the Ladies European Tour. Thanks for joining, and I'll join Alex in when, when we can. Um, so... We've had a great few days here, guys, chatting. Uh, I mean, the real theme of, of our conference has been has been uh, collaboration. And it's been, you know, we've had 46 different nationalities uh, registered on the Congress, which is which is in itself fantastic and some great discussions. And I'm just going to lead in from those discussions I've just had with uh, with Jack about kind of innovation uh, and start with you, Keith. We've been pushing short form. Short form team golf. You've also been big on this uh, with golf sixes. Uh, any thoughts from you? Um, I, unfortunately, I didn't hear what the uh, uh, the legend Jack Nicholas talked about. Uh, but uh, he is a, he's a real forward thinker. He happened to be at Wentworth. No, it was about four to five months ago for the. I think it might even been longer than that for the anniversary of the concession with Tony Jacklin, and he just. Uh, the way that he promotes our game and the way that he talks about uh, growing the game, I bet you was probably riveting. And I, 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 I I'm sorry that I missed uh, his his talk. But um, yeah, innovation is is a is a critical component of the game, which 
really complements the 72-hole tournament uh, and complements the 18-hole uh, recreational round. And I think what is important is to constantly be adjusting uh, and evaluating how different demographics, how different uh, uh, groups that haven't grown up with our game can get involved in it. And, and Golf Sixes has been an enormous success that we started as a, as a professional tournament, but where it has really grown is, is in the likes of uh, Scotland and, and throughout the UK in terms of grassroots. And that's what it's really about, is Golf Sixes is a, is a, is a quick, fast-paced one hour and an opportunity for uh, people to get involved and fall in love with the game. And I think that's the most critical thing, Ian, is, is, is getting people to fall in love with the game. And you can't fall in love with something that, event, that starts by being incredibly frustrating because it is a very tough game. Uh, and it also takes four or five hours. And by the time you get to the golf course and you play, that's a big commitment for someone starting out. So I think what we really need to look at as a whole, as an industry, and that's why we created Golf Sixes, is something that can get the 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 player or the potential player who has never experienced our wonderful game to start it and start it with little tiny chunks. And that's why that's why the other thing that has been phenomenal for our game is adventure golf and the likes of Top Golf. Uh, that has again provided an opportunity for people to experience our game, fall in love with it. And I always believe the 18 hole um, course is well down the road for the beginner. And that's, that's, that's just my philosophy, but I think innovation in not only our sport, but in all sports is absolutely critical for the growth because we're living in a world of incredible competition and unbelievably saturation of content and to uh, to cut through and to get the younger generation to uh, to experience our game I think it has to be a little bit different yeah no totally and and we would be also be one we would almost be unique in that we practice the sport off off the pitch off the course and the quicker we can gamify it if you like the quicker we can welcome the beginner to and that's big role of the PGA Pro that we've been talking about it's not just about technique it's exactly what you're saying it's making people fall in love with the game and they they need to do that by playing the game as quickly as possible well the game the game the game is i i think and i'm not just saying this and i'm not just biased because i'm in in the game i i think it's a special game because of the inclusivity i think it's a special game because you can play at all ages and you can play and be competitive at all ages based on the handicap system. So an eight-year-old can play with an 80-year-old. So the inclusivity is incredible and play a competitive match at that based on the handicap system. Well, um, when you look at the, the health benefits that golf has from both a physical and a mental perspective, the fact that it's very inclusive, like for example, next year at the Scandinavian Mixed, we're playing with, with uh, Alex from the LET, we're playing, it's the very first tournament, I believe the very first tournament where professional men and professional women are playing on the same golf course for one trophy for the same prize fund. Uh, so they'll be on the leaderboard. The leaderboard won't be two separate leaderboards. It will be one leaderboard. And that shows the inclusivity of our game. And I know Anthony 
you know, we're talking about the inclusivity and we got involved in, in, in disabled golf. And, and we had a, a very robust conversation at the board of directors of the IGF just last week about uh, golfers with a disability. Because again, um, you know, where else in the world of sport where a disabled athlete uh, can compete with an able body athlete? Well, golf is one of those sports. And that's why I believe, you know, Anthony, as we talked about it, it has a really big future. And I'm really a big proponent of, uh, of us as, as a global uh, industry promoting golfers with a disability. Yeah, and Tony talked about that on the last panel as well, uh, Anthony. So if I, if I can come over to you on, on your thoughts on, uh, on this. In terms of inclusivity or in terms of disabled golf or both? First I think of all, okay. he, was on, he was on the panel. More about kind of innovation and innovative yeah. ideas. Well, I'll, and, I'll uh, get out, out, out on left field as well. And Keith, Keith has had discussions with me about this and, and a number of the tours during the, um, the bad times of COVID when we weren't al allowed outside and, and we weren't watching proper golf on TV. It was eSport that became a big thing around the world, actually, not just in golf. And, and Keith, yourself set up an e, an e event you know, or a competition during this, which was televised, which I thought was fantastic. And and it's not just, you know, there was such a growth in, in interest in eSports, even outside golf itself, across the board. And I think, you know, the, the audiences around 500 million people worldwide were getting into eSports. And so one of the things we should be looking at is how we can benefit from, you know, esports, looking at, you know, the, the additional touch points that it, that it can create, um, how it extends our traditional fan base, and then how we can also use it to innovate within these games themselves to then transfer, you know, the, the casual fan that sort of might be interested in golf a little bit but gains more interest from actually participating in, you know, console games, or even even as we're talking about with Top Golf, um, the the, um, the the simulator games as well, and then extending that through the competition. I I have lab rats at home because called kids. They didn't get into golf because Dad played. They didn't want anything to do with golf because that was the reason why I was away from home. I hated it. I brought home a CD ROM with Tiger Woods Golf, and they started getting into it. Next thing I know, my oldest son was saying to me, and he was 10 at the time, uh, Dad, can you bring home the, those golf magazines you have at your office? And I went, oh, okay. Didn't know why, gave them to him. Then he came downstairs later and said, oh, Dad, tell me, what's the difference between a tightless driver and, and a Callaway driver? And I went, hang on, where'd this come from? He said, well, I'm number one on the tour at the moment, and I can have any manufacturer I like, and I just want to make sure I've got the best equipment. And then as they progressed through that, they turned around and said to their mum, Listen, we like this golf. Can we go and try it? Not me. And then they went down to a driving range. Now they're all into it. Yeah. Um, so to me, that that's an opportunity, you know, for us to be really now thinking about how we can use eSport and uh, first to get a definition of what that is. And I know a number of my members are, are looking at ways of innovation to capture that audience that's out there and then convert those people into, into participants and players and fans. I was I was dumbfounded. Yeah, exactly. I was dumbfounded, Anthony, when we we started an e tour last year, and then COVID hit, 
And it was a, a three-way partnership with ourselves and Viasat uh, and Peter Norland from Viasat, who is the uh, president of Viasat, is an incredible forward thinker and is is uh, is a leader, uh, DreamHack and Viasat in in this space. And we had a live event in Abu Dhabi. We televised it live, and I remember going to going to this event and watching these these two guys play uh, a video game and and it was it was absolutely staggering with the engagement that we had because one 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 guy had qualified from chicago another one from uh, montreal yeah, canada so it was and they came to abu dhabi we flew them to abu dhabi because they got into the uh, the finals and you wouldn't you wouldn't have believed it. You wouldn't have believed if you were a pure traditionalist, you wouldn't have believed how esport can bring attention to to our game. And and Anthony, I think you know your your son's your son's question about Titleist or Callaway was a was a real good one. But that's that's just talking about for the for the for the video game, correct? Yeah, exactly. But it just showed the wow. the, the knowledge that came from it. You're, you're right, and it's here, guys. It, it's here, and we and we have to either embrace it or we let it pass us by. And you know, there's publishers and everybody else out there that can will take advantage of both commercially and and in terms of um, visibility if we don't seize it. Yeah, yeah, and and. And we have to we have to throw ping into that as well because they're our partner and John Clark may well. Sorry, I shouldn't have used any brands. Be listening to this. <laughs> well, I mentioned earlier John John retiring, but it's still with us. In, 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 um, so we just had this whole panel on diversity and inclusion, and um, ironically, Gen Z and this 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 other new audience is not one which we really talked about in in there, but it's so important as you're. As you're talking about here, because we, we're so often guilty in golf of talking to golf, and it's how do we get beyond golfers and golf to this uh, to this wider audience? Uh, Anthony, something particularly in the Olympic movement, I guess. Oh, well, you're right, and and the audience that came out, yeah, you know, Rio undoubtedly was a su surprising success in in terms of our visibility and, and the audience reach we had, and where it differs to. To any other tournament is it's cert certainly the demographic it's much much younger than what um, usually we'll watch our tournaments each weekend and the gender diversity was 55 percent men 45 percent women and 60 percent of that audience which was massive it was the largest audience for the year um are people that don't normally watch our sport and so one one of the um, the challenges we're we're putting out to ourselves this year with with Tokyo, and we've got another year to plan, thanks to the IC postponement, um, is to not only maximise our, our digital exposure to to increase you know awareness of the sport, but and this is where your your members would would be of great assistance is during around that three week window, the games itself, and and one week on either side, so about four you know four or five weeks. People will be starting to hear about golf that they never heard before, and they may be interested in playing. So the, that's the great opportunity at your golf courses to to attract people to come and just try, and 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 then try and see if we can hook people into become participants. One thing is to get them to be fans, and 
with that interest, but the second interest is participants. And I think there's a great opportunity around the, the Olympics to 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 experiment and and to attract that new audience to to watching and, and playing. Alex, I'm hoping you can hear us now and uh, thanks for persevering. And I'd like to bring you in. Um, obviously, um, US Women's Open this week um, and uh, you know, one of the impacts of COVID and I, I, I know Keith will elaborate on this, uh, on, on his scheduling issues uh, as well in a bit. But a, an interesting thing I was reading earlier, a tweet from the USGA that's saying only 4% of sports um, content in the States features female athletes or female uh, or, or female sport. And obviously, you know, you're you're working on changing that. It is being changed, but it's a tough task. Um, just share with us some of your thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen that statistic about the, the television coverage for women's sports. It's not just uh, limited to, to golf. Um, and it is, it is an, an incredible, an incredible figure that it is so low, considering um, that now for a couple of years, there's been a big push on on um, on women's sports and, and we're getting a lot more visibility um, um, across across the board and, and in the UK on the BB, on the BBC. Um, but there is a long, a long way to go. And I think, you know, as you say, with with a COVID year, um, it is it, it was so important for us to uh, to get to get playing again, um, because if you're not seen, um, you're easily and quickly forgotten. And I think that's um, you know that was a, a big uh, push for us to try and get out there. And of the um, nine events that we played um, coming back from um, coming back from lockdown, we managed to get seven of those on on with live coverage. Um, and that's um, and that is you know it, it is a long way to go, but we just have to uh, we have to find ways. And I think um, you know we're kind of making reference here to technology too. That is where um, you know all these new platforms, new media um, are going to play a big part and are, are going to help uh, women's sports. Are going to help smaller tours like us to uh, to build the profile of of the of the players and and the role models of the future that will hopefully also drive participation of of the next generation. And I guess a central theme to what we've been talking about over the last couple of days, collaboration. Um, now, obviously, Keith has just mentioned about mixed formats. Disappointing that the Scandinavian event couldn't happen this year. But as you're rolling into next year, how much is that going to help as well? I think, um, you know, it was already something that was planned for, for this year before COVID. Um, and we all saw the, the, the strength and importance of, of working closer together. Um, and one thing that we've definitely learned from COVID that um, that collaboration and new ideas and and, and finding um, and finding new formats uh, will 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 drive will drive the tours forward um, and help the sport survive. It's going to be a, a challenge on the back of, of COVID um, and all these new opportunities that we can that we can find. Um, and there seems to be a very natural synergy, and it's uh, and it's come together quite easily considering you know the schedule of, of the European tour and. Um, and the kind of various challenges that we could have. It just uh, seems to have resonated with with a lot of partners, this idea of, of working together. And Keith, um, uh, obviously, and I'll come back to Alex's view on this as well, but um, moving on to collaboration, you're you're not going to get away lightly, but your, your recent uh, alliance with the PGA Tour, which is, uh, I believe, great news for golf and great news for you, um, I mean, obviously, a perfect example of collaboration. How do you see that? I think it is a, it's a, 
terrific opportunity as Jack did say as as I did hear this as he was signing off that the uh, that the alliance between our two respective tours is good for the for the global game and I believe that and we, we really are taking a page out of what transpired with the LPGA and the LET and uh, Mike Wan and the LPGA uh, came in and and wanted to uh, uh, to again support and grow the LED. Uh, Martin Slumbers and and myself joined the board of the LET. We created the the tournament, the Scandinavian Mixed, which is going to happen this year. And there's another event that, as I said, that Alex we haven't mentioned quite yet, that is also on the schedule. Uh, well, it's 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 on our schedules that uh, uh, that it's not 100% confirmed, but we're definitely going to do two events uh, next year together, and, and I'm excited about that. The um, the alliance with the PGA Tour is something that Jay and I have, have chatted about for four and a half years, uh, and what we became during COVID-19 is a, is, a, is a lot closer. Our respective chief medical officers were, were speaking on a daily basis. We were talking and sharing best practices. Uh, we were part of a, a group with with the other four majors in the LPGA that were talking about the global schedule. And we said midway through it um, that we should, we should probably get together and find a way to work closer together. So we had our first official conversation, I think it was April 4th. And uh, yeah, six or seven or how many months ago that is, uh, is later, uh, we've come to uh, an agreement. And, and I'm incredibly, as is my, executive leadership team energized by the opportunity here. Uh, Jay Monahan joins our board. I've always said that golf is 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 somewhat fractured and uh, and we go from competitors to partners overnight and that's that's exciting. And uh, as I as I said the other day to our head of communications, I said the list is uh, the, the list is endless of the possibilities we can we can uh, do together. But the bottom line is it will be, I think, fantastic for global golf, fantastic for European golf, uh, great for our members, and great for the consumer as well. So it's uh, we're just in uh, week number, I guess, two now, but uh, we've already created uh, so many different work streams, and the conversations are going. And uh, and today, uh, you know, the PGA Tour. And, and they were talking about it today here in Dubai at the DP World Tour Championship. The PGA Tour were, uh, were promoting the DP World Tour Championship and that the players uh, that were playing and their PGA Tour members, and that just wouldn't have happened before. And that is only fantastic for the game. It's terrific for the European Tour and it's terrific for the consumer. So uh, yeah, I'm, I've, uh, uh, Fleetwood said to me last night, I, I don't think I've seen a smile on your face this big in a long time. And uh, it is a smile that's been continuous over the last week. Yeah, good, good news. And uh, Alex, almost I think that announcement was almost a year to the day from when you and, uh, and the LPGA aligned. Um, and uh, obviously, you've been challenged during uh, 2020, as you know, we all. But how are you seeing the, the fruits of that relationship now? It's been, I mean, it's been an, um, an incredible success. I think, um, you know, as, as Keith refers to, you know, the, the fragmentation of, of golf 
want, didn't really make make sense. Um, you know, for us to to work together um, as as the same game uh, to grow the game uh, made more sense than us kind of competing with each other, which was uh, which was odd. Um, and and you know, we we go into this with a plan, and the the the, the, the initial plan was to grow the grow the number of tournaments and give our members playing opportunities. Um, and obviously, the year kind of didn't allow for for that, but it just allowed for us to to realize how much more we can do together and how we have partnered in so many other ways um, that it has been um, really, really interesting and, and has given us, um, I guess, a, a good footing for, for where we can go with it um, and continue with that with that momentum. So it's a much wider partnership than any of us could have expected as we as we were planning on, on, on launching this a year ago. Yeah, so far more benefits than challenges I'm hearing from both of you, which is great. I think it. I think it is spectacular, Alex. Like, um, I think the conversations that we're having now uh, would never have happened a couple of years ago. I, I applaud yourself and and the LPGA for coming together. Uh, we are we are privileged to be part of it, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see how um, how the Scandinavian mixed works. Uh, I think it's going to be really really interesting. And as, as I said, Ian, innovation is all about complementing the traditional 72-hole tournament. The 72-hole tournament will always be the core of what we do. Uh, we are a very traditional sport. We, uh, we want to maintain the integrity at the highest level. But at the same time, you have to try things different because things are moving so quickly now and and uh, so you can't just stay, stay, stay pat. And in order for people to to love the 72 old tournament, we have to do some things different. 52 weeks. It's a long, it's a long, uh, it's a long year. Can't have 52, 72 whole tournaments. Absolutely. Um, Anthony, um, I think your organization epitomizes collaboration in my view. You have a, a small team of staff there in Lausanne pretty much the same way as we operate as CPG. And then you you use the best available resources to you and you align organizations, you have delivery partners, such as the PGA Tour, the European Tour, et cetera, for your tournaments. You work with us and other PGAs on the International Golf Coaching Framework. Um, explain a little bit more about how that works. I think it goes back to, I've now been in this role 10 years, believe it or not, feels like still one or two. I think it goes back to, looking at other international federations when I was based at, at the International Olympic Committee and just seeing how um, they competed against their membership uh, rather than working with them. And to me, you know, knowing what I did about golf at the time, the best people in golf are working in golf. So why create a parallel universe here in, in Switzerland that would be competing just on resources and on, on other things? So... So when I was first looking at this and, and, and determining how we would operate um, here in Switzerland, to me, it, the first thing I said to the board was, I'll put together a business plan, but you people will have to resource me, be that financially as well as with people, because you've got the best people in the world. Plus, plus, nobody knew me. I came from outside golf. That was pretty rare back then, to have somebody that wasn't in golf take on this role. I'm in isolation in Switzerland. Does this group guy know what he's doing and can we keep an eye on him? So for me, it just made sure sense. Don't create a parallel universe. 
waste a lot of money and resources building an organization that actually we had a very small period of time to really deliver games. That was the key thing for us, delivering Olympic games. And in doing that, it really had to be a collaboration of everybody delivering uh, professional golf around the world. You know, all the tours had to be there. And in my view, you have to have the best people running this event, which the majors do. They bring the best people in. And, and that was vindicated, A, by a result in, in Rio. But, but secondly, on top of that, one of the comments I got back from a, a number of the players and and the um, the caddies that were there in Rio, and they were talking, you know, they were they were hunkered down into an environment they were never used to. You know, they were sleeping in a dormitory, eating in a canteen, traveling on a bus. Okay, that was weird enough. And uh, with other athletes who are experiencing the same thing, especially you know tennis and other other you know basketballs, etc. And what they're hearing back was when the other sports were going to these events. They didn't know anybody. They didn't know the officials because they, they weren't the people they were dealing with week in, week out, um, et cetera. So for them, it was, it was a weird environment. They didn't feel that the competition, you know, they're unsure about how the competition was going to happen. You know, there was a lot, of, a lot of uncertainties going into Rio as well. But what the players were saying to me and the caddies was as soon as they arrived at the course, they saw the familiar faces. They saw JP. They saw, you know, they saw... Um, every slug away they saw everybody out there and they went okay i know these people oh this is a major and they got out in the course oh yeah okay i get it or i'll probably get in trouble by saying a major but this is an important event and so that relaxed them and that added to the experience as well they didn't have to worry about the field of play they just had to, they could enjoy outside the competition and and similarly to that you know why not use the best people in golf and so I'm blessed with the board I have. Others would say I'm cursed, but I think I'm blessed because I've got the gods of golf that actually make decisions and from making decisions comes action. We don't have to go up another ladder to get authority to uh, deliver what we've determined. And it builds a very strong, strong working relationship and very clear ideals of what we're going to deliver together. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I was very, Keith knows, I was really pleased about the, the collaboration that's that's moving forward with with the PGA Tour and, and the European Tour because I see it day in, day out in the way we operate. And similarly with the LET and the LPGA, again, I always have seen those teams working together on the delivery of not only the, the Rio Olympics but all our other projects. Um, and the same working with you guys on the on coaching and development. That's not our, that's not our specialty. But we want to take the skills that the PGAs have and get you out there coaching people correctly and building in these much smaller, less developed countries, as Jack calls them, um, and, and benefiting, benefiting the sport and growing the game. So long answer to the question. But what that's done is made us, during these really bad times, very flexible, very nimble and able, you know, able to change and, and adapt very quickly, which that's the world now. You know, and Keith will tell you that. You've got... and. And on to what you were saying in terms of innovation, we need to try things now. And if we fail, we fail. But we've got to try things now. That, that's what this is teaching us, this environment now. Um, and that, that's, that's what we're trying. You know, we come up with some ideas with the board and they only say yes or no. And we have a go and it works great. If not, it's not a failure, but we have to try. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a fantastic example of everything we've been talking about, what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do with CPG as well. 
collaborate is is use the best people for the best things and and as a result hopefully we create a combined effort for golf where the uh where the collective is far stronger than the sum of the parts and that's what we'll keep pushing towards yeah mate it's not about it's not about the igf it's not about the cpg it's about golf and, yeah, and that's absolutely. why we're here you know golf's got to come first on this pyramid yeah and a great statement that david kearney made earlier about uh, uh leaving your egos at the door and just doing what's right for the game and that's what you know that's the message that's coming across uh, keith i was i was with you a month or six weeks ago and um but we're not gonna really linger on on the impacts of covid in 20 in 2020 but you know, you were explaining to me that you hadn't finalised your schedule until two days before for this year, let alone next. So I think um, what I will do is look forward with that. And what it's created is, yes, some innovation from you to enable 2020 to happen. And then 2021, we've just got an amazing schedule to look uh, at. You know what's amazing about 2021? And this is a staggering stat. We have 20 tournaments that are returning in 2021 that were postponed, canceled in 2020. So if you if you think about that, that was 20 tournaments that we had to replace. <laughs> we and and with with no partners, um, no promoter. So we played 25 events in 23 weeks. Last week was another week where we played in South Africa and in Dubai. This week only in Dubai. And uh, we 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 learned a lot. We, we learn a lot about efficiency, about resilience, about creativity, about never saying no, uh, about having to, having to deal with um, uh, almost deep depression when when back in, in March, it seemed like every day we were having an event that was canceled. We started a scheduling call, I think it was April 14th with the executive leadership team. We still had it, we still have it now. It's, it's uh, uh, because it's just, Become part of uh, of what we do, uh, but it was uh, the schedule in April didn't look like the schedule it did now. Uh, but uh, those twenty events we've had to replace this year. They all come back in twenty twenty one. Plus all the new events that we've had. There are two events in the fall in twenty twenty one we can't get into our schedule. Uh, fully funded events that we can't get in, uh, and that's never happened before. So um, I think that is all um, a testament to uh, to the resilience and the ability of the people that we had. And I think that we have at the tour. And I think this also is a time when people step up to the plate. And they certainly did this year. Alex, I'm sure that's a problem you'd like to face. Uh, not being able to fit tournaments in. I know no, you're getting yeah, closer to it. Room, if, they, if you want to send them over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I mean, from our side, I mean, it's, it's a similar story, obviously, yeah, sitting back in March and then um, you're doing a, a schedule for that year pretty much every other day and everything is kind of uh, falling apart and just don't expect when or how you're going to get back to playing. Um, but from our perspective, I mean, we, we managed to launch in 2020 the, the strongest schedule in the history of the tour with the biggest prize money. Um, and then obviously all kind of fell apart a bit. But uh, in line with what Keith is saying, um, you know, all, all those events, uh, except Australia, which at the moment at the beginning of the year is going to be impossible to, to play um, due to restrictions, um, are going to, are committed for, for 2021. And there's a, quite a number of conversations going on for, for next year. So 
um, if if COVID doesn't uh, you know kind of uh, play too much havoc in the next year, um, I think we'll we'll also be back to playing quite a, quite a regular schedule and a, and a strong schedule. So from that side, you know, the perseverance this year has definitely paid off for next year. Uh, you yeah. can give yourself uh, uh, credit, Alex, too, as well as is is you were were part of of creating the two events in Saudi Arabia, but not only just in creating events there, but also involved in the entire growth of the women's game. Uh, and and I think that is um, you know having having the opportunity to be on the LET board, uh, they are definitely committed to growing the game. Uh, and and I know there's a couple of, uh, of initiatives that you're going to announce uh, for next year. And uh, so, uh, yeah, congrats on uh, on getting getting back to playing this year. It's it's not been uh, it's not been easy for sure. Thank you. Yeah, and it's uh, thanks to a lot of the help. Also, I mean, I think that's also uh, there. There was such a unity between all the tours in collaborating within all the medical advisors with with all other sports. I think it really did bring and shine a new light on on how we can all work together to um, to deliver the best sporting uh, the sporting events possible. Which was uh, which I don't think any of us independently could have done. Yeah, we we shared we shared uh, medical advice and medical strategies, and uh, so yeah, it was uh, it, it it was uh, I think it was a, a momentous year for for global golf, and I think that it only benefits the entire game going forward. Yeah, Keith, I I can really emphasize how how it has because working with the ISC and and Tokyo twenty twenty to to re reschedule and reorganize the games. Golf has been seen amongst all the other sports as the leader in this COVID environment, in or actually as to how consistently we've been able to deliver across the world with very little issues. Um, and we've been able to take all the learnings of, of yourselves and you've been all of you have been kind enough to share that with us to then give this to the organ virtually giving this to the organizing committee and the IOC just open open book as to how things can how things are being delivered now and how it's evolving and and you know because of that I'm feeling fairly confident about delivering these games next year and sat, sat in some meetings yesterday and and everybody's sort of pointing to us and saying well you know you've given us the model for which you know that's given us some light at the end of this tunnel um so yeah that i think everybody should appreciate you know what what we've been doing internationally as a sport by competing week in, week out. Well, I would say having yeah. the privilege of being on, on, on both the IGF and the LET board, the, uh, I, I think the theme and the philosophy is in fact just that, Anthony and, and Alex, is, is everyone comes in with the right attitude that regardless of where you're working and regardless of where you're competitive and 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 listen we are we are competitors in in some ways not obviously with the IGF but people that are on those boards but it really is our competition is is not really each other it should be the other sports and that's kind of the way that we've that i, I think there's been a massive turn in terms of collaboration uh, with with the governing bodies, and I think that only spells um, massive opportunities and growth potential for the global game. 
Yeah, I think I think one of the things I'd just like to to bring us back to is is that point on developing the game because the sharing of knowledge, the collaboration, the sharing of good practice, what we're seeing as a result of that, you know, when the Ryder Cup became a European team, it was really Britain and a couple of Spaniards. Now where we are, now where we are, we've got Victor Hovland winning last week, you know, following on Norway's success from Suzanne. We've got Emily Pedersen from Denmark dominating your tour, Alex, with three wins in a, in a row. And, you know, even a Polish guy, I've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, Adrian Moronk coming through now, the first pole to be leading on the European tour. I think this is what the spreading of, uh, of this you know, good practice from coaching, from playing uh, and from game development. That's the global impact it will have. Uh, and, and that's what we want to take forward. Yeah, well, it's 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 such a wonderful global game. Like, who would have who would have thought we're here at, in uh, in Dubai for the DP World Tour Championship? And and Danny Willett is saying in a press conference that he's praising Patrick Reed. And if Patrick Reed wins, it becomes the first American to win the Order of Merit on the European Tour. It would be a positive thing for the tour and for golf. That's that's uh, it's a miraculous thing to say. And uh, and phenomenal from uh, one of the uh, the world's best and former master champ. Uh, any further views uh, from you, Alex, on, on that point as well, and just how the ga- how you're seeing the the game spread? I mean, I just have to say on on the basis of of, of the coaching, um, I have seen in the years that I've been involved uh, with the tour and in golf, the quali- like the players when they come on, they join the tour when they're when they're professional. Um, their, their quality, they're ready to compete is incredible. How how good the coaching is, how you know, how good and I think a little bit now also, um, that there that gap between amateur golf and professional golf is kind of closing. So it's a much natural transition. Um, and when they do come and join the tour, um, they are they are prepared. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of experience, but their level of game is is incredible. There are yeah, they are ready to kind of, you know, just to just win tournaments. I mean, we had Alice Houston, I guess, was uh, a rookie and won her first tournament that 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 she turned up at. So there there is incredible stories, and I think, um, and then this year it has been incredible to to give us some of those amazing stories, which has also been really nice and and gratifying for the effort that we've all put in. Fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, Anthony, well, anything to add before I know? Bring it down to grassroots level because we're talking at the elite level. I, I, you know, I, your membership are key to us. And I think the biggest challenge I throw out to them is how can we make this game simpler for beginners? And how does, how does your coaching, you know, and, and do we as, as, as um, people that have a say in, in how the, the rules are written have to think more outside the box to make this a simpler game to progress people through to playing doubles or, or whatever. I think that's the key thing. And and they're key to making it simpler, coaching it simpler, and then starting the pathways that people will take, be it recreational or elite. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, what I've seen and been impressed with is dealing with yourselves and, and all the PGAs that the quest is to be better at coaching. You're not, you're not, you want to do it better each time. You're not just happy with the way things are. And I think, so foundations definitely are building the coaching, but how do we make it easier for people to start and, and more accessible? 
with the point yeah, of entry. They're, they're the big challenges. And we've been asking this question for a long, long time, I know. But it's about time we started to come up with some solutions, really. And it's got to yeah, be fun, though, it. Anthony. It has to be. I mean, that's key. It's got to be fun. Absolutely. And it's fun when it's easy. It's not fun when it's hard. No. No, and it's a hard game. It is. It's a hard game, so you have to make it. You have to make it simple. You have to make it fun. And you have to make it shorter. Right? The, the attention span right now, you mentioned Gen Z. Gen Z had spent attention span compared to the Gen Y, I think is three to four seconds difference. Uh, it's a massive difference, the, uh, the difference of the attention span. And, and our, game, our game is a complicated, long game. It's the greatest game. But making it simpler and making it fun, yeah. You would let's be let's be let's be honest. If you were to invent the game now, how many holes would it be? You the game fit in would, be, wouldn't be eighteen. No, you got to fit in an hour. Yeah. And if you're going to build a golf course now, you'd never build it eighteen holes down one way, nine, and back the other. You'd, you'd build it in loops of threes or sixes. Right. You have to have so many different forms of playing right now to engage all kinds of different people sure. with, 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 you know, like with this, try, try to get, try to get, try to get a 15 year old to play 18 holes without this. Try it. It's, it's difficult. Well, you, you, you know, the way around that is you build into the, into the clubs, the technology, so they can at least focus on that. Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. Them, yeah. Otherwise, they're not attentive on the game. Well, eventually, the chip will be in the brain, so it won't really matter, Anthony. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're moving faster in golf than we ever have done before, and that's testament to everybody involved. And we're changing faster than we ever have done before. Lots more to do, and we could carry on with this for ages. I, I will just finish off with. Um, we're going back to the elite side. We cannot wait for next year. Olympics, Solheim Cup, Ryder Cup. We're all going to be involved in those. And uh, what a year to look forward to. And again, great collaboration so that the none of those events get in the way of each other, but they all complement each other. So uh, thank you so much to the three of you for taking the time today and, uh, and great messages to, to be shared with our audience. Thanks for tuning into The Spin, brought to you by the Confederation of Professional Golf. Don't forget to subscribe, stream and share this and all other episodes via the CPG website, cpg.golf. We all look forward to seeing you next time.